Please bow your heads for the prayer of illumination. Gracious God, thank you for giving us shelter from both the wickedness around us and from the guilt and the power of our own sin. As we come to your word, use it to inspire in us words of grace and truth and actions full of love and mercy. Use it to make us like your Son, who speaks to us through it, and in whose name we humbly ask it. Amen. Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. It is found on page 1027 of your Red Bibles. We will begin with verse 4 and read through verse 12. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and land of David. He went there to register, register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But then angels said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is this Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The second New Testament reading comes from Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 28 on page 1211. We'll read through chapter 13, verse 2. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. This is the word of the Lord. Our Old Testament lesson is taken from Genesis chapter, chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. Would you please open to that in your Bibles? If you're using the Red Bible, it's on pages 17 and 18. Now before I read this, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Luke chapter 1 that will resonate with this passage from Genesis. So with your finger in Genesis chapter 18, just hear these couple of words from Luke chapter 1. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. 
you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call his name Jesus. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel said a number of things and then finally said, for no word from God will ever fail. And then from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 and following. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Verse 3, he said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. Verse 6. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said. Get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and make some bread. And he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them, these three strange men. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Verse 9. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year. And Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Yesterday, some of us who live and meet in home groups along the Gold Coast of the Zurise, uh, we, as has been our tradition for a while, we gathered together and we sang Christmas carols and read some Bible passages for people at two different retirement homes there on the Gold Coast. And they welcomed us so warmly. We were their guests in their home. Yeah? But what were we actually doing there? We were hoping after all, that they, in their home, 
would actually experience God welcoming them into the mystery of his grace. We were their guest. We were welcomed. But we hoped that they would experience an unexpected welcome. And that they would sense the wonder of God's love. That they would sense themselves being drawn into his unending welcome of eternal life with him. In other words, you might say, we were trying to recreate a Genesis chapter 18 sort of experience for these older folks yesterday. And that's actually exactly what we see in our passage today. We see that there is an unexpected welcome. We see the urgency of wonder. And we see an unending welcome. An unexpected welcome, the urgency of wonder, and the unending welcome. So let's start, shall we, with the unexpected welcome. So let's say that I'm sitting on my balcony, right? I'm just minding my own business, and suddenly it occurs to me that there's three strange guys standing near my front door. What am I going to do? I might say, hey, uh, what are you doing? Are you lost? Are you drunk, maybe? I might call the police. I might just go inside and shut all of the curtains and pretend like I didn't notice. Whatever I do, though, I'm not going to do what Abraham and Sarah do here, am I? This is just weird to us. But of course, Abraham doesn't live in 21st century Switzerland. He lives thousands of years ago in the Middle East. And so when he sees three strange adult men standing near his tent, he knows exactly what to do. He shows them extravagant hospitality, a great welcome. And so Abraham and Sarah, you see it uh, in verses 6 and 7, they rush around trying to provide these three unannounced guests with fresh bread and meat and curds and milk. And then after Abraham and Sarah serve them, Abraham stands there kind of like a butler or a waiter while they eat. This is five-star hotel type of hospitality. And to us, it's an unexpected welcome to these guests. But as I've said, what Abraham and Sarah do here is actually completely normal. In the ancient world, you have to show hospitality to traveling strangers. The roles of guest and host are really vital in the ancient world for the security and the peace and the prosperity of the whole region. Without hospitality, without guests and hosts, And this kind of a welcome, the world just doesn't work. And so, verse 2, Abraham rushes out and he bows to the ground in front of them. Uh, Verse 3, he begs them to stay. Verse 4, he offers them rest and water. Verse 5, the food. And once again, Abraham and Sarah are not offering an unexpected welcome to these guests. But... There is an unexpected welcome right here. 
Abraham and Sarah actually are the ones being unexpectedly welcomed. Yes, these three men show up. But did you notice verse 1 says that the Lord appeared to Abraham. Abraham and Sarah are welcoming three strangers, three humans. And they're welcoming them just like they would be expected to. But the real unexpected welcome is this. The Lord appears to Abraham. Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth, comes to Sarah's house. And it's unexpected enough to have God show up and sit at your table. But then the unexpected welcome of the Lord becomes even more surprising. These guests welcome Abraham and Sarah deeper into the wonder of God's love and his redemptive plan. Deeper into the Lord's promise to redeem the whole world through this one little family. And it's a little family. There's only one boy that's been born to the family. And it's actually the son of Sarah's slave woman, Hagar. But nevertheless, verse 10, one of these guests says, I'm coming back next year and Sarah is going to have a son. You know, Advent season, it's about us. It is about us. It's about us welcoming the Lord Jesus as our guest. We welcome the Lord into our homes, into our church. We welcome the Lord Jesus into our hearts. We give him a fresh welcome into our lives. That's Advent. It is about us and the welcome we extend. But at the same time, Advent is even more about the Lord Jesus, about him coming to us, about him welcoming us again. After all, we're living, aren't we, in his world, over which he tells us that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. It's about the Lord Jesus welcoming us once again into his mysterious and loving and redeeming ways. These three men, or angels maybe, or the Lord, or all three, they show up unexpectedly to welcome Sarah and Abraham deeper into God's mercy. And as I read briefly, centuries later, an angel shows up again, this time to Mary. An unexpected guest comes into Mary's home, comes into Mary's life. But it's actually the angel that gives God's unexpected welcome to Mary, inviting her into the mystery of God with us, Emmanuel. So Advent with Abraham means, yes, that we welcome the Lord. And when we do, we discover that the unexpected welcome is actually for us. It's actually God come to be with us, Emmanuel, inviting us into his mysterious presence, into his purposes to bless, to save, to renew the world that he so loves. So this Advent, you might just experience the unexpected welcome of the Lord. Are you ready, like Abraham, like Mary, to welcome the Lord into your life? 
Folks, there could be nothing that's more thrilling for you this Advent than this. You open your heart, you prepare him room, and when you do so, you realize that, wow, he actually shows up. And when he shows up, you realize that he has actually been welcoming you all this time. You may welcome him in, but you'll always be his guest. So Advent with Abraham means an unexpected welcome. But it also means the urgency of wonder. The urgency of wonder. In chapter 17, the one before we've read here, God told Abraham that Sarah would conceive and have a son. God changed Abram's name to Abraham. And this seems to mean his name goes from meaning great father, which is kind of awkward enough when you've only got kind of one son. But now his name is father of a multitude. So from now on, Abraham has to meet people in the ancient world and say, hi, my name is father of a multitude. I'm 99 and my wife is not expecting a baby anytime soon. So when God calls or tells him that his wife will give birth, what was Abraham's response in chapter 17? Guess what? He laughed. He laughed. And what was God's response to Abraham's laughter? It was kind of like this. You can laugh, Abraham, but soon I'm going to be the one laughing when your wife has this kid and when you name him Isaac, which means laughter. I will have here the last laugh, Abraham. And God also changed Sarai's name to Sarah, which seems to mean that she's now the mother of many nations. And now in our chapter that we read today, Sarah hears from inside the tent as the Lord says that she will soon have that baby boy. And how does she respond? Verse 12, she laughs. Verse 13, why did Sarah laugh? Verse 15, I didn't laugh. Ha, nice try. You totally laughed. I heard it. And then the three visitors just leave. How strange. Abraham and Sarah laugh because of the impossibility of these promises. But the Lord laughs back and he says, verse 14, is anything too hard for me? It's like the Lord is saying, Abraham, Sarah, it's wonderful how you've shown me this welcome. You ran around doing your cultural duty and you did it well. You picked a delicious calf. The bread was fresh. The curds were delicious. The milk was smooth as velvet. This is really impressive. But now I want you to do something, Abraham and Sarah, that's even more difficult something that will take even more concentration and effort, something that you're not going to learn from watching your culture, something that you can only learn by walking with me. The Lord says, I want you to wonder, to wonder. Abraham, this is the most important work that you can do for me right now. Sarah, you need to walk with me. You too have to dedicate your lives to me. You have to lead a new family 
out of which will come a new nation. But you're not going to be able to do any of this, Abraham and Sarah, if you don't learn to wonder. In all of this laughter from Abraham and Sarah, it's like they're saying, as someone does in the New Testament, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And as the Lord laughs back, it's like the Lord is saying, I would be glad to help your unbelief. Do you want to have faith even when you're full of doubt? Here's what you do. You wonder. You marvel. And centuries later, something very similar happens again. The Lord sends his angel to welcome Mary into his plans. The angel announces the baby's coming. The baby is going to have a specific name, Jesus, this time. And like Sarah, Mary has some questions about this. Um, how is this going to happen exactly? Isn't this, you know impossible for me? And the angel says, well, nothing can stand in the way of God's promises. And we don't know if Mary laughs. We don't know if she says, I believe, and you're going to have to help my unbelief. But surely she laughed at some point during all of this, and surely she prayed that prayer at some point. But you know what we know that she does for sure? She wonders. She wonders. In Luke's gospel especially, Mary wonders and wonders and wonders. The text says it over and over again. For Mary, wonder is just as urgent, just as important as being a good mom to this kid, Jesus. And friends... If Advent for Sarah and Abraham and for Mary and Joseph means, I believe, I'm full of wonder, help my unbelief. If Advent for them meant the urgency of this kind of wonder, then Advent for us in 2019 means that you and I, we need to have hearts that are full of wonder. Admit to the Lord that you believe this stuff and that you still kind of think it's all, I don't know, impossible. Too good to be true. And then treasure up these truths and these stories in your heart like Mary did until you can hear the Lord whispering into your heart, is anything impossible for me? You and I, if we're going to welcome the Lord into our homes, into our hearts, if we're going to experience the Lord's welcome to us, if we're going to begin to extend the welcome of the Lord to the nations and do it through our slow and steady and faithful work and witness like Sarah and Abraham and Mary, then we need to urgently wonder. And as we extend the welcome of God to others, the work that we must do with our hands and the words that we've been called to speak from our mouths they need to spring, don't they, from a heart that's been captured by the wonder of all of God's stunning promises. Promises that we believe are yes and amen, as good as true in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So if we're going to have Advent with Abraham, we need to experience God's unexpected welcome. And we need urgently to wonder. And if we do, we'll start to believe and experience and even announce and share the unending welcome. The unending welcome of God to the world. From Genesis to Revelation, our entire Bibles are full of the story of God's hospitality, of his welcome to us. An unexpected welcome. You know, around Passover time, uh, Jewish people often celebrate their Passover meals and they often leave a place at the table open. Nobody sits there. Why? It's reserved for a guest that might show up. The guest that they're hoping for is Elijah, the prophet. And if Elijah were to come, that would mean the beginning of the renewal of all things under God's kingship. I have Christian friends that sometimes celebrate a Passover meal as well. And they leave the empty seat there as well. But their hope is that the Lord Jesus himself will be the one that comes and surprises them at the meal, that he'll come again soon. Jewish folks raise a toast at the end of the meal, and they say, next year in Jerusalem. And my Christian friends raise their glasses at the end of their Passover meal, and they say, next year in the new Jerusalem. The hope of Advent is, after all, that God will show up that we will have a chance to welcome him, that we will realize that he's welcoming us. And if we have Advent hope, if if we've experienced under God's unexpected welcome, his welcome to us, if we've experienced the wonder of his majesty in our presence, then we will become welcoming people ourselves. We'll welcome one another We'll welcome our friends and our neighbors in ways that we might not have before. We'll stop closing the blinds and shutting the doors. We'll extend welcome after welcome. We'll do it across cultural barriers because we know that nothing is impossible for God. Abraham welcomed guests and then he realized that he was the one being welcomed. And every one of us this Advent needs to realize that as God calls us to be welcomers, that he's actually welcoming us into his presence, into his work, into the wonder of the redemption that he is winning for us. And only this wonder can lead us finally this Advent to say, I am the Lord's servant and then to welcome people the way that we were meant to. You and I are welcomers because we have first been welcomed. What a calling on our lives. What a calling on our families. What a calling on our church family to be welcomers in the name of God. In Jesus Christ, our welcome never ends. And so we're called to extend the welcome of God to the people in our lives. Who knows? As we read in Hebrews, some of these people that we welcome might actually be angels 
and we won't know it until later. But we do know this. As Jesus says, if we welcome anyone in his name and with his grace, who are we actually welcoming? We're actually welcoming the Lord Jesus himself. So friends, with wonder in our hearts, with Jesus by his spirit helping our unbelief, and with the unexpected welcome of God extended to us, making us laugh with joy and amazement, let's be as God's people, as the children of Abraham and Sarah. Let's be Advent welcomers. We welcome because he first welcomed us. How wonderful is it to be a Christian? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would extend your welcome to us once again this Advent season. May all of us, young and old, from east and west, north and south, have a sense that you have called us into your presence, welcomed us by the grace of Christ Jesus, and are here to extend your welcome through us to the nations. What marvelous redemption you are working in our Lord Jesus Christ. You've worked it in our lives. Work it now deeper into our church life and out through our church to our community so that our Lord Jesus might be treasured, so that he might welcome many more, and so that we might all be full of joy. We ask it together in his welcoming name. Amen.